The Chicago Bulls defeated the Memphis Grizzlies yesterday, getting now two games below 500. We're going to talk about everything that went into that game, a challenge that Billy Donovan actually laid out for Patrick Williams, and we're talking about the Bulls' upcoming schedule and if they can finally get to 500 or above before the end of the month. We're going to talk about all of that, plus dive into the mailbag right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host, there, Hayes, but more importantly, you guys can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. With that being said, Let's go ahead and get into the content for today. So the Bulls closed out the Memphis Grizzlies, winning by 29 points, almost a 30-point victory against a team that has been suffering a lot of injuries all up and down that roster, specifically at the guard position, and they got some at the center position as well. And one of the things that the Bulls did great in this game is identifying how to get the ball to their big man. When you look at Nikola Vucevic and uh, Andre Drummond both having double-doubles in this game and the Bulls having over 50 points in the paint, that is how you want to see the Bulls figure out how to attack a weakness by the other team. And I got to give the Bulls credit in this one. Jaron Jackson Jr. had no blocks in this game at all, and he only had one offensive rebound throughout the totality of the game. He did get 26 points, and you know, as him being now their focal point offensively, basically, that makes sense. But I love the way that the Bulls attacked him, uh, kept him off the boards. They were able to, to out-rebound this team by a large margin. When you look at 52-32, to 32, the Bulls took care of business. And Jaron Jackson Jr. was one of those players with his ability to block shots and things. I was worried how he would play coming into this game, but he was 8-18 from the field. Bulls took care of business there. But then when you look at our side of it, right, we were led off the bench by Ayo DeSumo, and that's in large because we were able to play our bench players more uh, as the game went on because we were actually closing out and holding on to this lead. Ayo DeSumo with 20.6 rebounds, four assists. He made three point three three pointers in this game as well. Uh, DeMar DeRozan next up with 18 points, eight rebounds. I'm sorry, eight assists, four rebounds in this game. And Kobe White with 17, five and five. Really good game from Kobe White, especially down the stretch of the game. He really didn't score the ball too effectively in the first half of the game. He only had four points, but he was able to really come out in that second half and really understand how he needed to play. And again, it contributed to getting the starters off the court even earlier. Drum had 15 and 10. Vooch had 11 and 11. Uh, Drum also had seven steals in that one. I'll make sure I point that out as well. And P. Will had 15 points, five rebounds. He made three pointers, three three pointers in this game, and he had a steal as well and a block. So the Bulls really spread it out overall as a team. Javon Carter with 12 points as well. Dalen Terry gets to the free throw line six times. He also made a three. He only made four of those of those th- of free throws in that, but that was enough. And, and that's just what it, it, it just came down to the Bulls taking care of business in this game. And DeMar DeRozan was actually asked about it after the game, and he said this. DeMar, your team has played in more clutch minutes than any other team in the NBA. How nice was it to pull away in the third quarter and hang on to this big win tonight? It was big. You know, um, especially with Zach being out, all the guys stepped up. Um, It was a must must win. Must win tonight. Everybody came up big. Kobe played like Kobe. Um, It was a good win for us. Seven players scored in double figures, 32 assists tonight. How much fun is it to just see your teammates have success? I mean, it's fun. You know, um, we tell guys every single day, go out there and just have fun, enjoy one another. Um, And that's what we did tonight. We just played with a lot of joy. We didn't care who did what. Um, We love seeing each other thrive off, you know, just being successful. So tonight was fun. 
How about the big guys tonight? Andre Drummond and Nikola Vucevic, both with double-doubles. Man, that's what they do. Um, it's crazy how great they are at doing that. Um, I'm glad they're my teammates. Came home from the road trip, quick stop at home, back on the road. How nice was it to get this win in front of your home crowd and build some momentum? I mean, it's great. Um, we're going to be on the road for, for a while. Um, so it was good to leave here with, with a victory. Now it's time to go on the road and get some wins. Oh, Thanks, Demar. Congrats on the win. Thank you. The Bulls right now are 7-2 and two when they have 30 or more assists, and that is why it is important that this team play as a team. That's why when you see players like Zach Levine out and how the ball spreads around a little bit more, people look at it and say the Bulls are a better team when that happens. Now, you guys know how I feel about that. There's some truth, some 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 uh, overstatements in that as well. But when it comes down to it, what, regardless of who's on the court, this needs to continue to be a team that does not allow the ball to stop. Because when the ball stops, that's when the Bulls aren't at their best. And when you have players that aren't, aren't star-level players, even though Kobe White's playing at a star level right now, and he's going to look to continue that for, throughout the most of the season and hopefully for the rest of his career in the Bulls uniform. Uh, but it's, it's it, it, the, the way that this team plays as a team, that they get out in transition, especially when they're out-rebounding teams, when they're getting turnovers, forcing things like that, it's just such beautiful basketball to watch. And this team, once again, played with that edge. Again, it's against an inferior opponent. We're going to talk about the, the week they have coming up because there's not going to be a lot of inferior opponents over that stretch. But the Bulls are playing really well, and this is the best version of the Bulls that we see when the Bulls, when, when the team's playing like just like that as a team, the ball really didn't stop too much. There was a point in this game where it seemed like everybody was going out and getting their highlight reel dunk. Kobe, DeMar, Drum. Like, they, these guys all had highlight reel dunks in this game. Alice Caruso had one as well. Like, just how this team was executing tonight, or last night, I should say, was just really exciting to see. And and that this is how we want – this should be the brand of Chicago Bulls basketball. Now, you're not always going to be able to rebound the ball in the way that the Bulls did, right? You're not always going to have that rebounding advantage, but you got to take advantage of the things that you do have. And I love the way that as this game went on, the Bulls really identified how to get the ball to their big men, how to keep them involved in the game, and even, you know, getting to the free throw line as well with the Chicago Bulls, in which they did in this game. When you look at the number of players that had a bunch of free throws, Patrick Williams had four free throws, DeMar DeRozan had four, Nikola Vucevic didn't get to the line any, Kobe White got to it two times, and then you had uh, Dalen Terry get into the line four times, Iota Sumo got to the free throw line three times. It's because we were attacking. We were attacking the paint, and we identified as well not just how to get the big men the ball, but we also identified how weak they were in the paint when Jaron Jackson Jr. wasn't out there on the court. And like I said, he didn't even have any blocks in, the, in this game as well. And that's what you want to see. That is smart game planning. you got to give credit to Billy Donovan as well in this game for the way that he was able to coach this game and able to, to make sure that this, this team, the Chicago Bulls, kept their, their foot on the necks of the Memphis Grizzlies because they're an inferior opponent. We won second chance points 17-4. to We won fast break points 18-5. to We won bench points 56-35. to We took care of every major statistic category that you want to see a team take care of against an inferior opponent. Now, one of the things that stood out in this game, and I talked a little bit about it in the intro, is Billy Donovan uh, taking Patrick Williams out. There were a time period where Patrick Williams wasn't necessarily uh, attacking closeouts correctly, things like that, not being as aggressive. I do think that it worked because we end up seeing Patrick Williams play much better over the course of the game. And Darnell Mayberry asked uh, Billy Donovan about it, and Billy said this. Billy, going back to Patrick, how much of a concern is that, I mean, going halfway through his fourth season now, you're still talking about some of the same things, him attacking closeouts, being more aggressive, playing with force. How much of a concern is that for him to be at this stage in his career? Um, I don't, I'm, I'm not 
I'm not concerned about it because I think what happens is a lot of times for players, those things happen very quickly. And you can get caught where, you know, I, you know, I'm getting ready to shoot it, and then I'm like, well, I don't have the shot. And now you've lost the advantage. And I think he's going to have <coughs> Guys grow and develop at different rates. It's, it's not like he doesn't want to do it. I just think he's got to be really more decisive when the ball comes. And there's times where... Like you see him sometimes where he puts the ball down and he kind of gets into that mid-range shot because he's trying to get to the rim, but maybe what was open was taking the three. So it's not like I don't see him doing it. He's just got to make those reads. I think he's more than capable of doing it. I've seen him do it. Uh, that's the aggressive. When people, when I say we use the word aggressive, it's, it's on those things. You know, it's not so much about, yeah, one run on the floor attacking the basket and you can see that aggressiveness, but it's more like when the, when, Everybody's trying to protect the paint. Everybody's shifting. There's certainly outliers to every you know, team in the league where they'll shape guys with more coverage and they won't really give them that kind of room. Uh, you know, this is a team that's a good defensive team that protects the paint, and there was opportunities for drives. And I thought he did better, you know, as the game went on. Um, but to answer you, because I'm not concerned about it, because I, 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 I see him knowing that he needs to get better at it. And he'll get better at it. He will. I believe he's better today than he was last year at it. And I think he's better now than he was early in the year. And I think that that's, that's, that's a, a great way. Like, again, that's coaches coaching. And we've, we've had issues with Billy Donovan and his coaching and motivating players before, right? But the players do like this guy generally. I know that's triggering for some Bulls fans because a lot of us don't like Billy Donovan. But at the end of the day, like, Billy noticing something from Pat and noticing that he wanted him to be more aggressive taking that time to kind of pull him, talk to him a little bit on the sidelines, and Patrick Williams being able to go out there and do it better the next time, I think there's something to be said to that, right? It's, it, like, of course, you want Patrick Williams and all your players on the court to be able to be more aggressive and consistent, and that's still the thing that Patrick Williams needs the most when it comes down to really unlocking all of his game. Is just you got to stay aggressive, right? You got to stay locked in. But the fact that, yeah, Billy Donovan noticed it. He set him down. Patrick Williams came back in, and he played better over the over the final stretch of the game when he was out there again. And so, listen, I'll say this. Patrick Williams did start off this game, at least shooting-wise. He wasn't hesitating to shoot. Now, he went like one of six, one of five, something like that in the first half. And, you know, he, he played much better than that in the second half. But I do like the fact that in a game where Zach Levine was out, where we needed players to take shots that were open to them, Patrick Williams didn't start off being hesitant to take those shots, even getting to the mid-range at times. And he, he, listen, he almost had like two highlight reel dunks that he just couldn't convert. So it, it like we're seeing those glimpses of P. Will. And once he starts putting it all together, I know that that's kind of also a thing that people ask, like, OK, we keep saying once he puts it all together, when is that finally going to happen? And that's a valid question to ask. But I think it comes down to and Billy Donovan said it, players develop at their own rate. And Patrick is still a very young guy. And. He's still younger than some rookies coming into the league. Now, that doesn't excuse all of them. I'm not saying that as, like, some blanket excuse for P-Will to just, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll work it out. But he it, it just he develops at his own rate, at a different rate than what we would like to see. And hopefully this season is laying that foundation to where he can jump off next season. But at the end of the day, like I said, the Bulls really holding on to the lead. That 7-2 and two when we have 30 or more assists is a really good stat as well because that shows how this team needs to spread the ball around and play as a team. Let's hope that that continues, man. Let's again. We got a tough week ahead, which is what we're going to talk about now. Is the Bulls' schedule coming up, man? We we right now are two games below 500. We haven't been above 500 since November of 2022. November of 2000. We are a year and a half from the last time we were above 500. And so when you look at the schedule coming up, we got the Suns on Monday, the Lakers Thursday, and Portland Sunday. Now the Portland game next Sunday. 
We we oh, no, we can't overlook any game. But those two games against the Sun and the Lakers are going to be really important because these are two teams that are going to be tough matchups for the Chicago Bulls. Especially when you look at not having Zach Levine in that lineup, that means we're going to continually have to have other players step up for the Chicago Bulls. That means we're going to have to have the performance from Iota Sumo off the bench. That means we're going to have to have Patrick Williams be a dual threat uh, uh, for the Chicago Bulls in defending and things like that. You don't want to overlook either one of these teams, especially Phoenix Suns, who, listen, they're eighth right now in the Western Conference, much less than what people were expecting when that team formed. But they're, they're winning, as of this right now, four games in a row. They've won seven out of their last ten. And so this is not a team that you want to take lightly. They're getting healthier, things like that. Everybody being locked in is going to be really important for the Chicago Bulls in that game. And then the Los Angeles Lakers as well. They're winners of four out of their last 10. They're 21 and 22 on the season. A, a lot of people rightfully so disappointed by the Lakers season and how that's come together because of how they ended last season. But you don't want to overlook the Lakers at all. The Bulls going out on this West Coast trip, which is not as long as the West Coast trips for those that have been around long enough to remember the circus trips. Those were, those were tough, but the Bulls cannot come in uh, to next week and be lackadaisical. This was a nice game, one game at home against a weekend team in the Memphis Grizzlies, but the Bulls got to be ready to take care of business next week. And next week, theoretically, we could see the Bulls get to 500, possibly, right? Um, so we'll see what happens with that. And, you know, we'll, 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 let's see how the Bulls perform in it, man. I hope that overall the Bulls just come out with that level of intensity that we understand. But being this close to 500 for the Chicago Bulls, it's not something that we've been in a place to do. We just keep. They compared it us to being Sisyphus, uh, which Pat has been doing for a while. But on, on the broadcast last night, like every time we get close to 500, some fuckery happened. And let's hope that that's not the case this time. Like I said, the Bulls right now hold a two-game advantage over the Atlanta Hawks for that ninth seed. Uh, we are two games behind the Orlando Magic for the eighth seed. And we're four games behind the uh, Indiana Pacers for the seventh seed. And so... Um, you know, to watch that, I, I think the Pacers lost as well in Pascal Siakam's first game with them. But this this is a Bulls team that what they've been doing feels sustainable. It really does. Like I said, even with Zach Levine, we are 5-2 and two in the game since Zach Levine returned. We are playing right now well above 500 basketball. We just got to get the record to match it because of the deficit that we got ourselves out to early. And can the Bulls do it? Listen, there's more than, re more than enough reasons to think that we can. We are a team that's playing much better right now. We are a team that finally has an identity. And that's been one of the things that have eluded this team for the longest is not having an identity. Now we need to use that identity to start getting more wins so we can be above 500. And let's see where we go. Still got things coming on the horizon. Uh, one of the things that came out yesterday as well is that with, with uh, the Zach Levine injury, you can, you can ba basically bet that Zach Levine is going to stay a Chicago Bull. We'll see what happens with that. I, I understand the logic and thought process behind it. Because that is what, what this could be, and especially if the Bulls keep winning without him yet again. So we'll see what happens over this two-week period. Like I said, if, if, he, if he's out the full two weeks, he'll come back a week before the trade deadline. I think we'll have three games over that time. So I guess we'll see what Zach Levine could bring at that point in time. But, hey, it is what it is there, man. But it's Sunday. That means it's still mailbag day. Let's get into these voicemails for today. This first one, this one's from Brandon. Hey, hey. It's your boy Brandon. Hey, real quick, though, I really feel like the Zach Levine thing is very, very simple. He not hooping. He wasn't hooping at the beginning of the season. Then 
all of a sudden he decided to say he wanted to get traded. All right, cool, but you already wasn't hooping then. Then past that, he wasn't hooping. He was kind of taking it easy. Then he hurt his foot. Then he come back. He ain't really hooping. I think he's averaging like 16 points a game right now. Like, all right, you worth $40 million. You that $40 million dude. But that dude was an all-star. If you ain't hooping like an all-star, people ain't going to trade for you. I mean, stuff like that. James Harden is a diva. He be moving around a lot. But he was like the number one in assists last year. So it's like you got to still be great in some way. Experience the thrill of March Madness. If you're still out on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter the bracket contest for a chance to take home prizes up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, my bookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim the code Bull Central, but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about my bookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use the promo code Bull Central to secure your limited time welcome bonus today. He can't be one of them ones with that $40 million contract, but not hooping like one of them ones. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's backwards. It's like this whole thing had no strategy from the jump. If you would have asked for a trade off season, then they would have really facilitated it based on what you did last season. Now, you're doing it a few games into the thing, and then you're not hooping. It's like, bro, come on now. But hopefully, they get them off for something. Hopefully, like, a, I don't know, some shooters? I mean, some shooters would be straight. All right, bro. Okay, I get what you're saying, and I'm not saying any of your thought process is off. But I'll just say this, is that we saw, just to use a player that you use, we saw James Harden be traded when he was in a fat suit and not playing basketball. We saw, you know, John Wall used in well, was he? No, I don't think he was using a trade. Russell Westbrook used in a trade when he wasn't necessarily playing the best either. Like, so I get it. The, the whole he's not hooping thing I think is an oversimplification, but at the end of the day, it's still Zach Levine can help teams. Regardless of what he's averaging now, we know that the skill set of Zach Levine and what he can what he can bring to teams, but I think it just comes down to a mixture of a couple of things. The doubts around Zach Levine and the value of the Bulls hold Zach Levine at. Now, some people could say that's an overvaluing, which is fair, right? I think that's a fair assessment as well. And I think it's also some teams trying to get Zach Levine's value lower so they can get him without giving up much more than salary filler and maybe a pick. And do those things overlap? They may as you lead closer to the trade deadline and teams see these other teams making moves but I think there is a chance that it, that it gets pushed to the offseason, right? And that teams that end up failing in the playoffs, they realize, hey, we just didn't have enough firepower. They may re-enter those Zach Levine sweepstakes. But to, to your point, though, if Zach Levine was balling right now, let's say he was playing like he was playing over that 14-9 and stretch last season, oh, he probably would be moved by now. But, you know, it kind of is what it is there. But great voicemail for Brandon. Great points there, brother. I appreciate it so much. Let's get into this next one. This one's from Big O. What's going on, brother? Hey, this is Big O again, brother, man. Hey, I called in a second time. Uh, this one is about Levine again, but more so of uh, the teams that he may be able to go to, more from a trade aspect. Um, so, you know, we know the LA probably out, right? They don't want to give up Reed. And I'm not even really mad that they don't want to give up Reed because it's like that's a guy that's giving you close to 18 points a game. Uh, he ain't the player that Zach Levine is, but it's like, you know, you replace, you know, 16 points with 23 points, you know, seven-point difference, but you're giving up other stuff. It might might not be a road they want to go down. They, You know, they don't want to do that. And I, I, I can understand that. Um, 
But I would tell you that uh, expect the unexpected when it comes to a Levine trade if it happens. You know, I'm looking at teams like Oklahoma City Thunder, who I think his points per game will fit good with. Uh, Sacramento Kings, in a sense. Golden State, that team has been, you know, looking to shake things up, at least from the room. Um, the Orlando Magic, I think they got some young pieces the Bulls probably be interested in if they wanted to make a move for Levine. Um, but I have a sneaky team, right? Because I, I heard you guys. Uh, you know, topping it up yesterday on NBA Central, asking is Indiana a team that, uh, you know, has made a big leap since the Seattle trade? I would tell you, look out for the Indiana Pacers because that's a team that still can make another move. And I wouldn't be surprised if they make that call to Chicago for Levine. Uh, we know they still got their own draft picks, right? We know that they still got guys that they can send out in salary, Buddy Hill, couple guys on the bench. And I wouldn't be surprised if they want to use Ben Matherin as a trade ship for Levine. I mean, it, it probably sound crazy, but I don't think it's as crazy as you think if you're talking about, you know, the conversation you guys had yesterday, has Indiana made a, a, a large enough leap? Levine could be the guy that pushed them up over Philly and into that in that Boston Celtics range. If you can use Ben Matherin, you know, some salary fillers, Buddy Hill, you know, to get Levine. I mean, hey, you, you got Tyrese, you got Levine, you got Siakam, you got Turner, you got some guys on that bench that can, you know, and I uh, uh, can't think of the point guard name, but you still got guys on that bench that can still come in and play for you. You got Neesmith Smith who can still defend. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if it's them, but I know a lot of the world will be, so that's why I have to call that in, brother. <laughs> but, uh, okay. So the Lakers are out on Zach Levine. I think even now hearing that like they pivoted to yet another point guard that is not a good as good of a player as Zach Levine kind of points to that. But when you bring up the Indiana Pacers, and specifically Ben Matherin, there is no way in hell that the Pacers are giving up Benedict Matherin uh, from their team. It's just not happening, brother. And I get what you're getting at, and, and the thought process is sound in the fact that there are some teams that, that would absolutely look to do that to bring in Zach Levine. But I, I think what we've seen from the Indiana Pacers they're not trying to give up youth all the way right now. Look at how they got Pascal. They got Pascal by giving up freaking Bruce Brown, who's not any slouch, right? He's not a terrible player, but not nearly at the level of Pascal Siakam. Now, the, the Pacers still do have trade chips that they can try to get involved. Buddy Hill, TJ McConnell, these are, these are pieces that we've heard that they are willing to try to move to bring in more talent to the team. But Ben Matherin, Ben Matherin, you're not getting, brother. They're not, they're not putting Ben Matherin in salary cap filler for Zach Levine. Now, here's what I'll say. Let's say that you are right, and the Bulls somehow get Ben Matherin, and you could pair that in a backcourt with Kobe White. Huh! Listen, sign me up <laughs> right now. I just, but I just don't think that it's going to be something that's necessarily realistic, and I don't see the Pacers, even if they do get in on Zach Levine and try to shore up even more uh, of to make themselves be able to be that team at the top of the East, I don't see them including Ben Matherin in it. But if they do, the Bulls need to hang up the phone, package Zach Levine in bubble wrap, and send his ass to Indiana immediately. But I just don't know if I see it necessarily happening. But guys who are in the in the chat, let me know what you guys think down below. All right, let's get into this next voicemail. This one's from Shay. What's up, Harry? I'm going to just get into this. You know, I've been seeing a lot of trades, such as the New York Knicks and the Toronto Raptors, and I'm here. Pascal Siakam and the Indiana Pacers are trying to work out a deal together. And I hear everybody on all that wanting to make your teammates better, and I know what you're thinking. What does this pertain to the Chicago Bulls? But everybody is tending to make their team 
a lot better, and that and that does sound good on paper. But when you look at the trade with the New York Knicks and the Toronto Raptors, the New York Knicks are going to be hurt in the long run due to the fact that Emmanuel quickly is scoring off of the bench, and they really don't use Evan Fournier like that. You also got to take into consideration that Josh Hart is very inconsistent at times in playoff situations, and you got to also take into consideration that Julius Randle at times, a lot of times, doesn't show up in the past three years of the playoffs. And not only that, I mean, they do have enough. And not only that, on Toronto's side, they lose in size. Well, they'll probably rebuild it anyway. But especially, they're going to be end up losing size. So, and and to transition to this Toronto Raptors situation, yeah, you get, yeah, you're trying to get Pascal Siakam, and that could help Tyrese Halliburton. But if you got to give up, but you're going to eventually, you're probably going to have to give up uh, Andrew Nemhart and Buddy Hill, and on a lot of B team, who definitely helps your bench, and you're probably going to lose defense with Bruce Brown. So I just want to say, are they really willing to make trades like that? And I, trades like that, and pretending the Chicago Bulls, do you really want to? Well, really, if we give up Zach Levine, we end up getting more. But do you? People see these trades as a big help, but like it could end up hurting them in the long run, especially if you're talking about making a long playoff run because you end up losing much more than what you gain, as we saw. You know, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, tell me what you think. Pacers trading for Siakam, and and this voicemail was clearly left before that trade went down. Did it make them better? I mean, they lost their first game, and I know some people are going to take that and run with it. Uh, you got to see over time, but here's the thing. Outside of all of that, right, outside of the trade, the pieces, the thing that I want to talk about is this. It's good to have – it feels good as a fan base, I'm sure, to have a front office that is aggressive enough to always try to get you deals done. And that's the thing that sticks out to me in a case like this, more so than whatever happening is with Zach Levine, if they can get this package, that package back, this deal, that deal. To have a front office that is never uh, 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 comfortable in being stagnant. That's what the Indiana Pacers front office is. Since they got Tyrese Halliburton, it's been an aggressive front office, and that's more so what I would love to see this Bulls team do. Not to say this trade everybody every single day. Like, the Pacers didn't trade a whole bunch of their key pieces to be able to get a player like Pascal Siakam, but they took advantage of the market. And that's what we want to see from AK and Eversley, right? Is to be aggressive in you want to be this team that's going to win. You don't want to go full rebuild. You don't want to be bad for a while. You want to continually win. But you have to make those moves to continually put you in spots to, to improve your team. And that's why a lot of Bulls fans have this discontent with the uh, Chicago Bulls uh, front office and seeing some of the things the other front offices have done around the league. I told you, I gave you guys a sat. The Chicago Bulls have made one trade since the start of the of, of the of the of 2020 2022 I'm sorry one meaningful trade whereas the average across the NBA is eight so we uh, so when people say that they feel like this this front office isn't aggressive enough there's more than enough reasons for that valid reasons and let's maybe that changes at this trade deadline we'll see all right let's get into this next voicemail this one's from Larry what up Hayes Larry here, first time calling in. Appreciate all the content you put out. Appreciate all the hard work. Um, just looking at it, coming up on the trade deadline and, and all the, the, the spending that the Bulls do and don't do. When, when we talk about it, we kind of talk about, you know, the Ryan, the Ryan's doors not spending money. Uh, and, and Hayes, and I know you probably know this, but like there's, the, the Ryan's don't even own half the team. It's kind of like a, 
a conglomerate of people that own the Chicago Bulls. So when decisions are made, it has to kind of go to a board. Now, Nigeria is the chair of that, but uh, a lot of people have to approve what, you know, what, what things are done money-wise. So when we talk about going into the luxury tax, that's not only spending extra money, but the teams that are not in the luxury tax get a cut of the money that all the teams that pay the luxury tax do do get. So when you try to go to a, a group of people and talk about, hey, you know, let's let's spend some extra money here on making the team better, they're not only paying extra money, they're giving up some of the profits they would get from getting from the other team. So we got to look at that. Now, do I think it's right or wrong? I mean, it's just business. If you're just looking at it from a business standpoint, that's what that's what it is, and that's that's what it's going to be. But given that they spend, the front offices spend almost up to as much money as they can without crossing that line. So if AK and Everson can spend, you know, up to that number, if they can go into the tax that you know the top four, the top six guarantee themselves that playoff money then they can you know do that but without having that guarantee you know this is kind of what we're going to have so we can expect a lot of changes to come through and whatever deals we're going to have are going to definitely bring back less money than what we put out appreciate the uh content again and go bull great points from larry here so the reinsdorf's actually own 19 percent of the team yes Jerry Reinsdorf is the chairman with the son, Michael, serving below him. Uh, Michael's kind of running the day-to-day operations. And you are also right in the fact that, and I had a whole epic rant on this earlier in the season where I got pissed off, is that the teams that don't spend into the luxury tax split the money from the teams that paid luxury tax money. And so, yes, you're absolutely right. The Bulls paying the luxury tax would not only mean paying out more salary, but then they're taking away some of the income, theoretically, because then maybe you're getting playoff income, right? That's the thing you got to look at. But at the end of the day, it's all this. Yeah, us as fans that are really ingratiated in this uh, in this topic are going to know this. The casual fans don't give a damn. They just know that their team hasn't won a playoff series, right? And you got to do what it takes. And so the Bulls are still over the salary cap. That's one thing that I think is a misconception from a lot of Bulls fans, not everybody, is that they think that because the Bulls don't spend into the luxury tax, that means that we're under the cap or something. We spend well over the salary cap. We just don't spend into the area of getting into the luxury tax. So the Bulls have that that flexibility. And so, you know, that's that's more than enough to still do something. With. We The Bulls aren't the only team that, that do that. There are teams that absolutely still go on playoff runs, but you have to draft well. You have to be poignant with your money. You have to be intentional with the money that you're spending. So that's something that I think the Bulls also have to look at. We'll see what, it, what comes from that one. Um, but great points there from Larry. I completely agree with everything that you pointed out there, brother. Let's get into this last voicemail. This one's from No Save. Yo, hey, this is uh, Charles Barkley talking to the Bulls Nation out there. I, I just think that, uh, you know, the Bulls are still an embarrassment out there, even though they, they won they won against the Raptors, which, you know, I still have to give them a little, little praise. But I've been dogging them the whole season. Like They, they started out clearing sale about three years ago, hey. I, I just can't – I can't stand seeing all this. I just, I just want to see them turn it around. Uh, may, maybe I'm just still spiteful that all these Godzilla movies, they haven't asked for Charles Barkley to come back into these. I could bring, I could wear my Barclays and, 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 and face off against Godzilla for crying out loud. But I digress, the haze. Uh, my last question here is what's going on with the, uh, what's going on, bro, challenge? The what's, what's going on, bro, uh, March, uh, uh, graphic design? Have you had any people submit a design? Uh, I think you should put a design of my face on my emoji with a Bulls Central logo right on it. We should think about that. I'll call another time. 
God bless. That was the worst Charles Barkley impression I've ever heard in my life. This bad. Like, I don't know if No Sage was was drunk. Um, maybe he was a little excited from the game. Maybe he was drinking when he left that voicemail. Because if you think that that was a good impression, my brother, you are severely li- and funny. Don't get me wrong. Everybody knows I love No Sage. I got to throw him some uh, some fun towards him because I know he only left that so he can turn it into a clip for his Instagram because he really doesn't leave voicemails because he want to interact with me. He wants he wants social media content for his page. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It is what it is. But that was a terrible impression. Terrible impression. And it was bad. It sucked. It sucked. I'm I'm sorry. No Sage, I love you. Keep leaving voicemails. But that, that impression has been, I suck at impressions too. Brother, that sucked. And I love you. I love you dearly. But that sucked. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Locked On, I'm Locked On Bulls, Chicago Bulls Central. Make sure you guys are following the show at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform. You can also send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns. BullsCentralPod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail, the number to do so, 773 773- 270-2799. Again, that's 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related thanks to you guys. And like I liked in every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. See you right if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.